Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top, or original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down, uh, there is a link to subscribe to a daily email, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from um, about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we are continuing our reading in Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, with Section 5, The Correction for Lack of Love. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, which is lesson 23, I can escape from the world by giving up a tax off. I can escape from the world by giving up a tax off. All right, with us in reading this morning, um, I have Lori, Karen, Harrison, Donna, Robin Marie, Judy. And with us in listening, I have Diana, Ida, well, Patricia is also reading. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to... Sandra. Anyone else who's joined us who would like to either just say hi or find the reason? Alright then. I will go ahead and get it started here with uh, with section five chapter two the correction for lack of love the first corrective step is Know first that this is an expression of fear. Then say to yourself that you must somehow have willed not to love or the fear which arises from the behavior will conflict could not have arisen. Then the whole process is nothing more than a series of pragmatic steps in the larger process of accepting the atonement as the remedy. 
for season steps here. Okay. Um, Lori, would you read? I'm unclear on how to do this, but Lori, would you read 82 through 84? I sure will. Um, Section 5, the correction for lack of love. The first corrective step is to know first that this is an expression of fear. Then say to yourself that you must somehow have willed not to love or the fear which arises from behavior will conflict could not have arisen. Then the whole process is nothing more than a series of pragmatic steps in the larger process of accepting the atonement as the remedy. These steps can be summarized as follows. One, know first that this is fear. Two, fear arises from lack of love. Um, Lori, would you go ahead and read 85 minutes? Sure. Three, the only remedy for lack of love is perfect love. Four, perfect love is the atonement. Thank you. And Karen, would you read... The last, that last bit of 82 and then the fourth step again. These steps can be summarized as follows. One, know first that this is fear. Two, fear arises from lack of love. Three, the only remedy for lack of love is perfect love. Four, perfect love is the atonement. Thank you, Karen. And Harrison, would you repeat that one more time and add the 87, paragraph 87? These steps can be summarized as follows. One, know first that this is love. Two, fear arises from lack of love. Three, the only remedy for lack of love is perfect love. Four, Perfect love is the atonement. 87. We have emphasized that the miracle or the expression of atonement is always a sign of real respect from the worthy to the worthy. This word is reestablished by the atonement. It is obvious then that when you are afraid, you place yourself in a position where you need atonement because you have done something loveless. 
having willed without love. This is precisely the situation for which the atonement was offered. The need for the remedy inspired its corruption. As long as you recognize only the need for the remedy, you will remain fearful. However, as soon as you remedy it, you have also abolished the fear. This is how true healing occurs. Thank you, Harrison. <clears throat> and Donna, would you read 83 through 88? Eighty-three. No, first, this is fear. Eighty-four. Fear arises from lack of love. Eighty-five. The only remedy for the lack of love is perfect love. Eighty-six. Perfect love is the atonement. Eighty-seven. We have emphasized that the miracle, or the expression of atonement, is always a sign of real respect from the worthy to the worthy. This word, this word is reestablished by the atonement. It is obvious then that when you are afraid, you have placed yourself in a position where you need atonement because you have done something loveless having willed without love. This is precisely the situation for which the atonement was altered. The need for the remedy inspired its creation. As long as you recognize only the need for the remedy, you will remain fearful. However, as soon as you remedy it, you will also abolish the fear. This is how true healing occurs. 88. Everyone experiences fear, and no one enjoys it. Yet it would take very little right thinking to realize why fear occurs. Very few people appreciate the real power of the mind, and no one remains fully aware of it it all the time. However, if anyone hopes to spare himself from fear, There are some things he must realize and realize fully. The mind is a very powerful creator and it never loses its creative force. It never sleeps. Every instant it is creating and always as you will. Many of your ordinary expressions reflect this. For example, when you say, don't give it a thought. You imply that if you do not think about something, it will have no effect on you. And this is true enough. Thank you, Donna. And Robin and Marie, would you read 88, 89?
Everyone experiences fear, and no one enjoys it. Yet it would take very little right thinking to realize why fear occurs. Very few people appreciate the real power of the mind, and no one remains fully aware of it all the time. However, if anyone hopes to spare himself from fear, there are some things he must realize and realize fully. The mind is a very powerful creator, and it never loses its creative force. It never sleeps. Every instant it is creating, and always as you will. Many of your ordinary expressions reflect this. For example, when you say, quote, don't give it a thought, unquote, you, you imply that if you do not think about something, it will have no effect on you. And this is true enough. On the other hand, many other expressions clearly illustrate the prevailing lack of awareness of thought power. For example, you say, quote, just an idle thought, unquote, and mean that the thought has no effect. You also speak of some actions as, quote, thoughtless, unquote, implying that if the person had thought, he would not behave as he did. While expressions like, quote, think big, unquote, give some recognition to the power of thought, they still come nowhere near the truth. You do not expect to grow when you say it because you do not really think that you will. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Murray. And Judy. Here we go. Thank you, Lemoyne. 89. On the other hand, many other expressions clearly illustrate the perfect... I've got a twisted tongue. On the other hand, many other expressions clearly illustrate the prevailing lack of awareness of thought power. For example, you say, just an idle thought, and mean that the thought has no effect. You also speak of some actions as thoughtless, implying that if the person had thought, he would not behave as he did, while expressions like think big give some recognition to the power of thought, they still come nowhere near the truth. You do not expect to grow when you say it because you do not really think that you will. 90. It is hard to recognize that thought and belief combine into a power surge that can literally, literally move mountains. It appears at first glance that to believe such power about yourself is merely arrogant. But that is not the real reason why you do not believe it. People prefer to believe that their thoughts cannot exert real control because they are literally afraid of them. Many psychotherapists attempt to help people who are afraid, say, of their death wishes by deprecating 
the power of the wish. They even tried to, quote, free, unquote, the patient by persuading him that he can think whatever he wants without any real effect at all. Thank you, Judy. And Patricia, 90 and 91. 90. It is hard to recognize that thought and belief combine into a power surge that can literally move mountains. It appears at first glance that to believe such power about yourself is merely arrogant, but that is not the real reason why you do not believe it. People prefer to believe that their thoughts cannot exert real control because they are literally afraid of them. Many psychotherapists attempt to help people who are afraid say of their death wishes by depreciating the power, the power of the wish. They even try to free the patient by persuading him that he can think whatever he wants without any real effect at all. 91. There is a real dilemma here which only the truly right-minded can escape. Death wishes do not kill in the physical sense, but they do kill spiritual awareness. All destructive thinking is dangerous. Given a wish, a death wish, a man has no choice except to act upon the thought or behave contrary to it. He thus chooses only between homicide and fear. The other possibility is that he depreciates the power of his thought. This is the usual psychoanalytic approach. It does ally guilt, but at the cost of rendering thinking impotent. If you believe that what you think is ineffectual, you may cease to be overly afraid of it. But you are hardly likely to respect it.
Thank you, Patricia. And Sandra, did you read uh, 91 and 2? 91. There is a real dilemma here which only the truly right-minded can escape. Death wishes do not kill in the physical sense, but they do kill spiritual awareness. All destructive thinking is dangerous. Given a death wish, a man has no choice except to act upon the thought or behave contrary to it. He thus chooses only between homicide and fear. The other possibility is that he appreciates the power of his thought. This is the usual psychoanalytic approach. It does allay, allay guilt but at the cost of rendering thinking impotent. If you believe that what you think is ineffectual, you may cease to be overly afraid of it, but you can hardly likely, but you are hardly likely to respect it. 92. The world is full of examples of how man has depreciated himself because he is afraid of his own thoughts. In some forms of insanity, thoughts are glorified, but this is only because the underlying depreciation was too effective for tolerance. The truth is that there are no idle thoughts. All thinking produces form of some level, at some level. The reason people are afraid of ESP and so often react against it is because they know that thoughts can hurt them. Their only thoughts, their only thoughts have made them, oh, their own, their own thoughts have made them vulnerable. Their own thoughts have made them vulnerable. Very true. Thank you, Sandra. And is there a new reader for 92? Morning, Charles here. Morning, Charles. Go ahead. What's just 92? Just 92, okay. The word, the world is full of examples of how man has depreciated himself because he is afraid of his own thoughts. In some forms of insanity, thoughts are glorified, but this is only because of the underlying depreciation was too effective for tolerance. The truth is that there is no, quote, idle, end quote, thoughts. All thinking produces form at some level. The reason people are afraid of ESP and so often react against it is because they know that thoughts can hurt them. Their own thoughts have made them vulnerable. Thank you. Well, thank you all. Okay. 
do a brief summary here of this section five in the chapter The Illusion of Separation. And section five, the correction for lack of love. And so the first corrective step for lack of love is to know first that this lack of love is an expression of fear. Then say to yourself, you must have somehow willed not to love. Then the whole process is nothing more than a series of pragmatic steps in the larger process of accepting the atonement as the remedy. Summary steps here. No first, one, no first, that this is fear. Two, fear arises from lack of love. Three, the only remedy for lack of love is perfect love. And four, perfect love is the atonement. And then immediately the emphasis is that the miracle or the expression of atonement is always a sign of real respect from the worthy to the worthy. And this worth is, is reestablished in the mind by the atonement. So it's obvious then that when you're afraid, you have placed yourself in a position where you need atonement because you have done something loveless, having willed without love. It's precisely the situation for which the atonement was offered. As long as you recognize only the need for the remedy, you will remain fearful. However, as soon as you remedy it, you have also abolished the fear. And this is how true you can occur. So from 88, very few people appreciate the real power of the mind and no one remains fully aware of it all the time. So if anyone hopes to spare himself from fear, there's something to realize and realize fully. The mind is a very powerful creator, and it never loses its creative force. If you do not think about something, it will have no effect on you, and this is true enough. I love this example of expressions like, quote, think big, unquote, give some recognition to the power of thought, but you do not expect to grow when you say it because you do not really think that you will. (laughs) 
and it seems hard to recognize that thought and belief combine into a power surge that can literally move mountains. <clears throat> People prefer to believe that their thoughts cannot exert real control because they are literally afraid of the thought, their thoughts. Here is the real dilemma which only the truly right-minded can escape. Death wishes do not kill in the physical sense, but they do kill spiritual awareness. All destructive thinking is dangerous. The behavior will conflict where end up with a choice only between homicide and fear. The other possibility is that you depreciate all the power of the thought, but this allays guilt, but at the cost of rendering thinking impotent. If you believe what you think is ineffectual, you may cease to be afraid of it, but you are hardly likely to respect it. And the world is full of examples how man has depreciated himself because he is afraid of his own thoughts. <coughs> All thinking produces form at some level. The reason people are afraid of, say, the power of the mind and so often react against it is because they know that thoughts can hurt them. Their own thoughts have made them vulnerable. I feel like turning steps again right there. But in that vulnerability, no first, this is the fear, and fear arises from a lack of love. The only remedy for lack of love is perfect love. And perfect love is the atonement. So that's uh, five minutes before the top of the hour. Uh, I'd like to say something fairly brief or volunteer to lead the lesson. Yeah, hi, hi Lemoyne. This is Diana. And I just have a question about number 92 when it's talking about ESP. What is ESP and what are they referring to? I'm complete. Well, ESP, as I understand it, is extra... extra sensory perception. This is, again, speaking of the power of the mind to uh, uh, to have something like vision that sees not with the body's eyes, <coughs> excuse me, but more seeing with the eyes of the heart and uh, and in a, in a way that uh, is free of the specific reference to the galaxy. Not limited by form. In the way that 
that it's commonly thought. That's my take on that. Thank you. Sensory power. People are afraid even of just seeing with the mind's eye or the spiritual eye. Would you say it was something like thought control? Sort of idea? No, I, I said it was no? uh, oh, okay. ex- extrasensory perception, just being able to. Speak. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's that's I read it kind of literally because these people, you know, the okay. The, uh, this is Donna. I think there's kind of two levels of that. Uh, there's like psychic power and intuition, where people um, are into it stuff and have call it psychic power. But but I think what we're we're learning here, or at least what I thought I heard you say, Lemoyne, uh, is that there is a higher type of intuition, which is a vision or. Um, like you were saying, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, spiritual motivation. Actually, at that pure level, would be from Jesus or the Holy Spirit. But you know, that's just my opinion. I'm thinking about it myself. Yeah, thank you, Donna. That is what I was trying to point out when he says ESP there. He's speaking, I think, mostly of that spiritual eye that's mentioned earlier in in the book, and uh, also the lessons that have the recent lessons of uh, being determined to see. And see with... Uh, Eyes that don't know fear, perhaps. Eyes to recognize the atonement. <clears throat> and these are not, it's not the body. <laughs> anyway. This is Lori, and um, I can't tell you how I arrived at it, except that when I read that paragraph, I inquired, and what I heard was, um, when I'm afraid, I'm being reactive to my own thoughts. So if I think uh, someone else is reading my thoughts, um, and I've already misjudged my thoughts or have been reactive to my thoughts, I would not want anyone to know that. <laughs> um, I don't know. So I, th- I think the, the thrust of that paragraph is fear is a consequence of reactivity to my own thoughts. 
given that he says your mind is very active and it's creating it all the time, um, he would like me to know that fear is something uh, my misguided um, or ego mind makes for me and I have a choice about that to not be reactive to that thought but rather ask for correction I'm complete thank you that was a good um, analogy thank you Lori yeah that was uh, this is Donna that was very good um, Lori because sometimes I think um, I think of something and then I look out and I see it and it's not good and then I think I thought it made it happen. So I've had those experiences in my la- uh, past and um, I definitely got fear when I thought I had such miscreative power. I'm complete. Thanks, Donna. Again, thank you all. Um, hmm. And so uh, we are past up, a little bit past the top of the hour. Is there someone who'd like to uh, lead, lead in a reminder of the particularly apt lesson? <laughs> of the day, I can escape from the world by giving up a tax box. I can do it. Love to read. <coughs> Excuse me. First, I'm going to read the review um, from Lesson 55 on page 74. I can escape from the world by giving up attack thoughts. Herein lies my salvation and nowhere else. Without attack thoughts, I could not see a world of attack. As forgiveness allows love to return to my awareness, I will see a world of peace and safety and joy. It is this I choose to see in place of what I look upon now. And we'll go to the lesson 22, 23, excuse me, 23 on page 26. I can escape from the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. The idea for today contains the only way out of fear that will ever succeed. Nothing else will work. Everything else is meaningless. But this way cannot fail. Every thought you have makes up some segment of the world you see. 
it is with your thoughts then that we must work if your perception of the world is to be changed. If the cause of the world you see is attack thoughts, you must learn it is these thoughts which you do not want. There is no point in lamenting the world. There is no point in trying to change the world. It is incapable of change because it is merely an effect. But there is indeed a point in changing your thoughts about the world. Here you are changing the cause. The effects will change automatically. The world you see is a vengeful world and everything in it is a symbol of vengeance. Each of your perceptions of, quote, external reality, unquote, is a pictorial representation of your own attack thoughts. One can well ask if this can be called seeing. Is not fantasy a better word for such a process and hallucination a more appropriate term for the result? You see the world in which, which you have made, but you do not see yourself as the image maker. You cannot be saved from the world, but you can escape from its cause. This is what salvation means. For where is the world you see when its cause is gone? Vision already holds a replacement for everything you think you see now. Loveliness can light your images and so transform them that you will love them, even though they were made of hate for you will not be making them alone. The idea for today, I can escape from the world I see by giving up attack thoughts, introduces a thought that you are not trapped in the world you see because its cause can be changed. This change requires, first, that the cause be identified and then let go so that it can be replaced, so that it can be replaced. The first two steps in this process require your cooperation. The final one does not. Your images have already been replaced. By taking the first two steps, you will see that this is so. Besides using it throughout the day as the need arises, Five practice periods are required to or in applying today's ideas. As you look apart, around you, repeat the idea slowly to yourself. I can escape from the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. And hold each attack thought in your mind as you say this. Then dismiss that thought and go on to the next. In the practice periods, be sure to include both your thoughts of attacking and of being attacked. Their effects are exactly the same because they are exactly the same. You do not recognize this, yet recognize this, and you are asked at this time only to treat them as the same in today's practice periods, we are still at the stage 
of identifying the, the cause of the world you see. When you finally realize that thoughts of attack and of being attacked are not different, you will be ready to let the cause go. I'd like to read the summary. I can find it. I lost my plate. Fifty-three. Fifty-three. Lesson fifty-five, twenty-three. I can escape from the world by giving up attack thoughts. <coughs> Herein lies my salvation and nowhere else. Without attack thoughts, I could not see a world of attack. As forgiveness allows love to return, to my awareness, I will see a world of peace and safety and joy. It is this I choose to see in place of what I look on now. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Well, I think that in the lesson, the the correction for lack of love and and the um, the correction for fear is stated almost um, equally in the same in the, <laughs> in the text and as in the lesson. You know, first I have to recognize this is an expression of fear, or somehow I've decided willed not to love, or I've attacked. I have willed not to love or I have attacked. And the, and the fear which arises from um, my will to attack, my will to attack is being in conflict with God's will, which is my true free will. So this is, I don't know, it's like don't deny the obvious, Jude. <laughs> um, and that the only remedy for a lack of love or for an attack on anything outside of me or for the feeling that I am being attacked, um, the only remedy for that is perfect love. And I will accept perfect love because that is the atonement. Amen. I'm complete. Thanks, Judith. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Judy. This is Sandra. And I'm finding that as I go through these lessons and apply them to my life, that it's still a quandary of what is love. (laughs) I grew up with a tremendous lack of love, so I don't have a point of reference because I grew up that way there's the tendency to go into victim, which I have worked really hard on getting out of. But I'm seeing that it seems to be just such a reflex 
um, which requires, first of all, the going into victim I'm seeing happens because I took some person, I took an attack personally. I don't, and, and the reason I know I took it personally is because I felt so hurt by it. How do I stop this pattern of when I get attacked, and obviously as a child, I was attacked first. I did not attack. All I did was maybe not listen or didn't understand what I was being told, so I got attacked. And I formed that thought in my head of a victim. I, I created that because it hurt and because I did take it personally. And it's such a, it's such a, a pattern. It's just, I mean, I'm getting out of it because I have tools but I can't seem to stop the pattern. I do get out of it. I use my forgiveness. I use not taking it personally. I use all those things, but I still seem to have to go through this process to be able to escape the world I see by giving up all attack thoughts. And the way that I do that is to, is to forgive myself and forgive the other. But the, the process seems to continue to just to continue to happen. Um, and I'm wondering if that process will ever stop, if I can just sort of not have those thoughts in the first place. I'm complete. That was really excellent, Sandra. Thank you. I think there's one unmuted line. Oh, Sandra, I hear you. I hear, uh, I hear your share, and I, I think we all, all wholeheartedly um, have this idea about ourselves that we're not making any progress or this course isn't working and it's, you know, I'm a failure. And so I've I had those feelings like, when is this going to quit? But I think I've read the course um, enough times to know that um, JC, the Holy Spirit, tenderness and kindness would would and always does speak to me in such a way that says, you know, just relax, 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 surrender, let him go. You're you're you've got enough sanity due to recognize these are old habitual thought patterns and that the grooves run deep. We've trained our minds to think this way. It's um, fear protecting the ego, and we, we have this fear that we're going to be hurt, and it's an old, deeply ingrained thought pattern. And it's, it's you know, it's there, it's there, but just to, to dismiss it and not give it any more significance or importance or power because it has absolutely no power over my mind unless I give it, unless I give it. So, um, you know, I, I've, I've always felt that we were sort of on the same, same wavelength, Sandra, and I, I just got goosebumps when I said that. <laughs> I think we're all on the same wavelength. <laughs> and letting the ego go, it has no power over us. Let's be happy, joyous, and free today. And um, free of fear. Absolutely. Thank you.
I am complete. Thanks, Jude. Maybe free of fear of repetition, because it's for me, I just got to keep repeating it over and over again. And when I do have to keep repeating it, not to think I'm doing something wrong, because I do have to keep repeating it. Another thought is that, um, and I, I, this came to me, you know, sometime during the eight years or seven years that I've been on this call, um, that every time I have to do that process, I'm bringing hundreds, maybe thousands of people with me who never even thought of it because, because we're all connected. I'm complete. Mm, that's powerful. Thanks, Sandra. Amen. Thanks, Sandra. We did not heal alone. <laughs> yes, Sandra, and I think it says that in our book. I remember reading that. So thank you for reminding us of that. This is Harrison. Both the lesson and our reading uh, speak to the power of my thoughts. Um, If I want to see a different world, have a different experience in the world I see, then I have to change my thoughts about the world. It it speaks to me about really the simplicity of the Course. Um, Doesn't want me it uh, doesn't tell me that I need to jump through uh, a bunch of hoops. Uh, uh, I don't have to um, fast and pray um, as I was taught in the fundamentalist church. Um, I guess if I were Catholic, I don't have to do uh, 12 Hail Marys or or go to the confession booth. Um, There's there's all of these um, things that I've been told to do uh, to achieve salvation. by changing my behavior. Um, And the Course goes at it, uh, it seems to me, very differently. Um, That if I want to change my experience in the world, then I must change my thoughts. And he speaks in the lesson about attack thoughts. And those are thoughts, it seems to me, that um, I think when I'm not seeing uh, my brothers and sisters or indeed anything in the world as less than... uh, a perfect creation 
uh, of God, which is an expression of who I am. Uh, everything reflects really how I think about myself. Um, if I think of myself as loving and uh, as the Course says, if God created me, then what I see will reflect that. And so uh, in uh, today's reading, uh, he uh, makes a reference to idle thoughts. He says, there's no such thing as idle thoughts. All thinking produces form at some level. All thinking produces form at some level. And then he makes a reference to uh, ESP, uh, extrasensory perception, uh, and why we are uh, so afraid of it and we react against this because we believe that thoughts can hurt us, can affect us, and that our own thoughts have made us vulnerable. And indeed, they have. That's the only thing that can make me vulnerable. Nothing outside of me can affect me in any way unless I think it can. I'm complete. No, oh, that was just excellent. Excellent, Harrison. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. It was excellent. Thank you. Yeah, the um, idea occurs to me that only illusions attack illusions, and it would be the ego in me that would be attacking myself. And it says that in the lesson, to be aware of attack, attack thoughts without and attack thoughts within, I'm attacking myself. And only my ego would attack me, see? And that's where that line is important to me, that... Um, any criticism or complaint or um, depreciation of my of myself as God created me perfect, which um, Harrison so beautifully referred to, I am as God created me, I'm perfect. There's nothing to be criticized about me. It's only my ego that would attack myself and think that I'm not doing anything right. So, ergo, here I go again. Thanks.
Thanks, Judy. Hi, it's Robin Marie. Um, I'm thinking Donna probably would know this scripture about uh, whatever things are good and pure and lovely, good report, think on these things. Um, I think that's a good way of focusing when we need a little nudge in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Murray. <clears throat> that is a place that this book goes, I think, fairly quickly. And the next few chapters to advise us um, to uh, remain vigilant only for God and kingdom. And uh, yeah, the second half of this of this section um, has some. I think it points at that that conflict where, or that yeah, the, that root level conflict where we always, you know, you can get to the point of recognizing that this fear, and that I'm I'm having a hand in it, but I'm still there, um, seemingly stuck with the reaction to the fear, and so. Uh, uh, 98. It has already been said that man believes he can cannot control fear because he himself created it. His belief in it seems to render it out of his control by definition. Yet any attempt to resolve the basic conflict through the concept of mastery of fear is meaningless. In fact, that action of trying to master fear. In fact, it asserts the power of fear by the simple assumption that it need be that. The essential resolution rests entirely on the mastery of love. That is the response to all things. In the interim, the sense of conflict is inevitable because man has placed himself in a strangely illogical position. He believes in the power of what does not exist. <clears throat> so this is pointing again to the, the escape from fear is to understand that it's the miscreative in between there and somewhere it talks about the fundamental conflict being between creation, which is love, and miscreation, which is our fear. And... Uh, So in 99, the true corrective procedure is to recognize error temporarily, to acknowledge it, but only as an indication that immediate correction is mandatory. So in seeing a fear, you know, and getting to that point of like oh, I've been here before, um, that to recognize, to acknowledge that this is a state in which 
which I've placed myself, I think, is the thing. That the con into conflict is the true conflict that needs resolution is internal. And if someone else is upset and spitting vitriol, that the way out of the conflict is not a similar response from me, but an attempt to reach beyond it to to what is truly there, which is the creation of God, which gives us all all life. Each of us, you know. <laughs> yeah. That we Amen. actually do, do remain as God created us and we have this choice between our fear and love at all times. Anyway. Uh, I'm complete there. Yes, we are responsible for our thoughts. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody. You too, too, Robin Marie. Thank you. Bye, Robin Marie. Thanks for saying. Bye. (laughs) Hi, this is Ida. Good morning. Um, We, yes, we are responsible for our our thoughts, but I want to emphasize right now that the we, let's just take me for example, is not just me. It's my family, it's my soul group, it's my community that I grew up in. It's really the whole planet, at least, that I, you know, the culture of the time and space that I came up in, the habitual thoughts that are on this planet that uh, get thought over and over and over. It can be hard to disengage from. Then there's the miracle, and that there is no order of difficulty in miracles. Thank God, thank Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) Complete. Thank you, Ida. We have all the tools today. We have the flower and other vibrational essences. We have the therapies, body-mind therapies. We have psychotherapy. We have books, seminars. We have, of course, A Course in Miracles and related books, A Way of Mastery, uh, A Course on Love. So we have a lot of material, physical manifestations of help for that as well. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Ida. I'm not sure that this line is in uh, our version of the course that we're reading. Um, but um, in the annotated edition, uh, 
It reads, the mind is a very powerful agent, and it never loses its creative force. It never sleeps. Every instant it is making or creating, and always, with emphasis on always, as you will. Many of your ordinary expressions reflect this. For example, when you say, quote, don't give it a thought, unquote, you're implying that if you do not thinking, if you do not think about something, it will have no effect on you. This is true enough. Never thought about it like that. Don't give it a thought. On the other hand, many other expressions are clear expressions of the prevailing lack of awareness of thought power. For example, you say, quote, just an idle thought and mean that the thought has no effect. You also speak of some actions as thoughtless, implying that the person, if the person had thought, he would not have behaved as he did. You also use phrases like thought-provoking, which is bland enough, but the term, quote, a provoking thought, end quote, means something quite different. And Robert Perry says that in the case of thought-provoking, something outside has provoked in the bland sense of sparked the thought. In the case of a provoking thought, however, the thought is now the cause and not the effect. It provokes in the sense of inciting retaliation by arousing anger. The issue then is whether the thought is a mere effect or whether it is a provoking cause. And after reading uh, today's reading, during today's lesson, and indeed throughout the course, it clearly says to me that thoughts are the cause. Thoughts are the cause, and what we see are the effect of our thoughts. And that, um, you know, I can remember early on for sure, and I think sometimes I still believe that that's a scary thought. The idea that my thoughts are 
provoking uh, everything that I see and to, uh, to constantly remind myself of that is what the challenge is for me, is knowing that in every moment my thoughts are creating what it is I see is a challenging idea for me. I'm complete. Indeed it is. <laughs> Thank you very much, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah, thank you, Harrison. And that's very close to the way it's expressed what you read. Only until at least in before the thought provoking part <laughs> that was uh paragraph eighty eight eighty nine, I believe. Thank you, Lamont. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, <clears throat> I'm a little bit, I hesitate to say so, but I'm a little bit uh, thankful for what's been going on in my body uh, the last couple of years. Because without it, I would not have recognized uh, the extent to which I can really declare my freedom. Um, how do I mean? Well, he says, um, back in paragraph 75 in this section, he said, fear is separated mind willingness. Separated mind willingness is what gives rise to fear. That's why um, paragraphs 83 through 86 are true. Because whenever I recognize this as fear in a very clear and present sense, I mean, sometimes moment to moment, you know, um, I, I really, really have to practice this. Because, um, well, here's the thing this undergoing a, what seems to be a disability or disabling pain uh, invites the mind to travel out to the future and postulate how much worse can it get and what will be the effects of all that worsening. And when I think like that, um, not only is the pain magnified, but my spiritual or emotional suffering um, is also magnified. And so because of this physical pain that seems to give rise to fear, I need to really actively employ mind-correcting um, thoughts and bring, first of all, my awareness back to this present moment. Everything's fine. And the invitation of my traveling thoughts 
back to true cause everything's fine love is here will give me an immediate correction for the, all of that emotional suffering you know I don't know that in this work we're promised um, a life without physical pain I don't believe that we are but we are promised a life without suffering um, and when I can employ and this is a good use of mind when I can employ my mind to its correction I discover I'm free whether that freedom is you know sometimes um, sometimes that freedom is involved with freedom from someone's judgment of me but ultimately it's always my judgment of myself or my separate mind willingness that gives rise to fear that's why atonement is the perfect correction because atonement brings love back to my awareness when I sit with my experience of bodily pain I can recognize I have a choice I always have a choice in fact my power is my choice my ego uh, would declare you know now this body is a mess and this body is going to be a mess and the mess is going to make a further mess and and pretty soon you're going to be in a situation where somebody has to take care of you that's that's what ego would have me believe and it declares it with every intense twinge I experience it declares it ego never says well maybe you know you're gonna no ego declares it's reactive it's the reactive component of my mind um, and it reacts would I rather my mind react or respond to love or would I rather my mind react to bodily twinges I have a choice and so um, given that this pain is a minute-to-minute -minute thing I really really have to practice this he says in paragraph 80 he says when wherever there is fear you have not made up your mind your will is split now I don't ordinarily think of uh, the word attack thought as judgment but in point of fact in my experience it is um, if I'm judging this and you know it's really hard to avoid too because I'm a nurse or was a nurse and and I would judge this pain as well it means this this and this and and this this and this mean this and and down the rabbit hole I go but if I recognize that my will is split between I want to judge this bodily awareness as the truth of me or I want to know the truth of me is love I discover I have a, I have an out I have a way out of this dilemma I never used to, to realize that forgiveness is something that applies to bodily pain but it applies to bodily pain as much as it applies to anything else and and these steps show me now first that this is fear I've early on he says fear is misvaluing you've raised something um, 
higher into a higher level than what it warrants well how about the body for that I've raised bodily pain to a higher level than it warrants so it's taking up space in my mind and as a consequence of that I feel trapped by it I need to recognize that this is fear and fear arises from lack of love he said fear is separate mind willingness oh I think I'm on my own with this I think it's up to me to devise my escape I think it's up to me to take something to relieve it I think it's up to me this is all magical thinking you know fear arises from lack of love the only remedy for lack of love is perfect love and now I see my way out that's where forgiveness saves me all th three of those first three steps know first that this is fear fear arises from lack of love the only remedy for lack of love is perfect love show me that my experience with bodily pain is a consequence of having misjudged it misjudgment is an attack thought yes it is I didn't realize that before I did not realize that before that misjudgment is an attack thought I misjudged this experience I thought I was alone in my suffering that I didn't have a way out of it but I do because to forgive is to remove the cause I misjudged it I can change my mind I can change my mind I have a choice in what this means to me when I am returned to perfect love the um, the importance of the bodily experience in my awareness fades 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 because it was my mind that raised it to a higher level I raised my bodily experience to a level where for a while my mind thought that it was bigger than me but I'm bigger than it I have a power of choice and my power of choice is to give up an attack thought an attack thought is simply a misjudgment I've misjudged what this all means and as a consequence of that misjudgment my mind started traveling the halls of fear and all the terrible places it can go but I can change it whenever I'm afraid he says recognize you need atonement it was separate mind willingness oh yes oh yes regardless of any bodily experience I'm never ever ever gonna be alone with it never and recognizing I'm not alone with it is to alleviate my suffering instantly I'm propelled it's, it's as if I'm drawn my hand is held and drawn into trust you know you remember those six stages of trust <clears throat> it gets to that final stage where you recognize you've misvalued you don't know how you've misvalued or to what extent but when you finally recognize that when I finally recognized I've misvalued this body is not my identity this body is not my home remember 
And what is the body? He says, identify with love and you are safe. Identify with love and you are home. Identify with love and find your capital self. That's why I'm never alone with this experience. Um, I, I won't ever say that had I been given a menu and recognize that, okay, among all the choices that you have here in this world, uh, you can choose bodily pain. No, I wouldn't have ever chosen it. But as a consequence of it coming into my awareness, I realize that even bodily pain can be forgiven and I will experience love again. I wouldn't have chosen it from the menu, but at this point, I'm sure learning some things about what I can do with my mind. I'm complete. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. There's a lot there. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Toward the end of your speaking, Lori, this is Donna. I got... I refer to my body as a vehicle. And as you were reading, I mean, as you were speaking, I got the vision of a chariot. And I thought, a chariot of holy fire. So that's a new way I'm going to start seeing my own vehicle. A chariot of holy fire. I am complete, and thank you. Thank you, helpful. Thank you, Donna. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Donna. Hey, Lori, it's Jude. I, um, I like the way you said that. You know, this, our curriculum that we get can be compared to the menu, and um, we don't get to choose the, the menu. That's what the Course tells us. We don't get to pick the curriculum. We just get to pick the time that we use, that we choose to use the means and, and the remedies that the Course teaches us we have, that, that the atonement is the perfect remedy for fear. And um, the Holy Spirit is the means. Um, the Holy Instant is the means. Forgiveness is the means. A holy um, encounter, holy a relationship, um, changing my mind, but um, something that Lemoyne you pointed out about uh, the mastery of love—that we can't master fear because we believe it, we made it, and we believe in it. So the mastery is through love. And um, I was flipping through my notes, and I found this, um, and I'm sure I copied it right out of the book, but I don't know where. Um, the, the joy of the spirit and um, being in the flow and letting go of everything, um, letting go of everything that would hurt, humble me or make me afraid, um, hold on to nothing. And um, that the rep- prerequisite for true freedom of the mind, my mind, as God would have, have it be, to be happy, joyous, and free, um, is is um, through the transcendence or the mastery through love, the readiness, 
comes from deciding I do not want to suffer anymore. I, I want to, no matter what, enjoy my life. And I have no reason for stress, problems, upsets, pain, or fear. And whatever is happening in my body or my mind or the world, I can let it flow and go and give it to the Holy Spirit and hold on to nothing. <laughs> oh, so here I go, there I go again. Love the Course and love you all. Be filled with limitless joy today. That's how God would have us be. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Oh, what led me there was um, something Harrison said about um, I need do nothing because all I need to do is turn it turn it over and let it go to Christ to my Christ mind who will correct me or or the Holy Spirit. He undoes all the effects of my miscreation miscreating thoughts have presented in my life, be it hopefully my physical pain too. I'm I'm hoping it's good. <laughs> it certainly relieved me of a great deal of it, but um, like you said, Lori, there's no need to suffer from it. I still can be happy, joyous, and free. And um, to align my will with God's will, which is for me to be um, peaceful and happy, um, it's the way that I am peaceful and happy. He He does it all. I I need do nothing. Um, thank you. Thanks, Judy. This is Lemoyne. <clears throat> There's a line in the in the Course of Love which. Uh, uh, at first, feel it sounds like counterintuitive, but it's really it's pointing actually at what this section is saying. I think, and the line goes like this: because you must practice, you must learn to recognize that all your feelings of lack of love come from an inability to receive, and you must continue this practice as long as it's needful. And, you know, it's like... <clears throat> I think... I think where we... One way I, I know I get stuck in that in that is feeling I need to have a specific thing happen in order to receive love from outside but what it's really what that's really pointing at is I believe is pointing at the atonement right that if if I'm feeling a lack of love whether that's fear or further down the road perhaps in the anger that 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 comes from a loss of a loss of contact or relationship with the source and and understand the lack of 
understanding that love doesn't come from outside. You know, love has but one source, and it lies within each of us. And uh, the, what this course is continually calling us to do is to recognize that is it's not like put in as an ingredient to our creation that is our creation is in that love and that that is how um, you know to recenter on that however much even if it's just a glimmer of like an olive branch some kind of offer or <clears throat> to reestablish that flow outward from the atonement implies that I've accepted it and that I'm in accepting it I'm willing to share it and that that, that can diffuse situations that appear ready to go to outright violence <laughs> and seem to need or seem to need huge remedies in the world but really all that's needed is to remember uh, the source and what um, you know might might seem personally insulting because it, it requires I give up all my miscreation or at least enough so I can start to let the let the love out of the center which is where it's really received and until it's until I'm willing to share at least something of that, I can't receive more. So there is the stepping into the flow where it just comes from within and flows naturally to where it's being called for by someone else in fear experiencing lack of love. And it's not like I create you know, I fix them. No, it's this thing of first, the sole responsibility and the first action in every situation that seems to call for healing is to accept the atonement for myself. And that that is, that is where it begins, at least from my point of view, and I think it's the same from every other point of view, because this mm -hmm. is the recognition of the unity that is within and underlies creation, all creation. Yep. Anyway, complete there. Thank you. Hour here, Lori. Do you have a a closing you'd like to offer this call?
You know, I really do, Lemoyne. And it's an excellent poem from John O'Donohue that acknowledges that um, looking at the mind um, requires looking at it with the Holy Spirit. I love this poem. This is the time to be slow. Lie low to the wall until the bitter weather passes. Try as best you can not to let the wire brush of doubt scrape from your heart all sense of yourself and your hesitant light. If you remain generous, and I mean generous with yourself, time will come good and you will find your feet again on fresh pastures of promise where the air will be kind and blushed with beginning. This is the time to be slow. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Infinite patience brings immediate effect just because love always responds. That's why I like that poem. I'm complete.